Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome on back to the 40K segment of the Wide World of Wargaming. I am your host, Vincent Leonard Morgato. Joining me, as per the usual, Mr. Ben Neal. Hey, everyone. And we are proud to be joined once again by the overlord of the ITC, the man himself, Reese Robbins. As overlord, do I get a fancy hat? Uh, we could probably work on that with the Patreon money we don't have because we don't have a Patreon, but we'll get back to you about it. Okay, first order of business, I want a fancy hat. Otherwise, how can anybody take me seriously as an overlord? You could talk to Casey and borrow the tri-corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want something with horns and or feathers. Otherwise, eh. I mean, we could like glue a pigeon feather to Casey's hat. <laughs> now we're talking. All right, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm putting this under the, uh, it's it's going in the official uh, 2020 projects for the podcast we're gonna get reese a hat the only thing i ask you to shades is can i get some of those sweet old school team zero uh, team zero comp shutter shades oh of course i have some right. sitting on my desk right now i've actually been after a pair of those for at least four years and i still don't have one because no one they're, is willing to give them up dude they're awesome like especially if you're um if you're the kind of guy that's or, or gal that's single and, and likes to go out to meet people they're such a conversation starter. Like you just wear them out to a bar and people will just be like, what is going on? So um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm probably going to start with, if I do get a pair, I'm going to start wearing them when I'm driving Lyft and just see the response. When people look in the mirror <laughs> and see their, see their driver wearing red and blue sunglasses. Like what the fuck is this guy doing? Especially uh, that looks like you can't see out of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. It'll work out as well as the top hat I wore for Halloween last year. Um, but we are here to talk about a uh, long-awaited and much generating much controversy update to the ITC, and that is the new primary and secondary missions. Um, Ooh, ah. Thank you, Ben, um, <laughs> for saving me the sound effect. Uh, there, there was a little – near the end of last season, I guess we could say, that people were starting to maybe – complain or discuss that perhaps the missions were a little too oriented towards board your opponent and if you don't you lose um, that was kind of the general uh, the general feedback was they're too oriented towards killing stuff and i mean this is you know all of us here have been playing this game basically forever so we all know that this is the eternal tug of you know tug and pull i remember fifth edition when everyone was complaining that eldar players were just jumping on all the objectives at the end of turn five um, yeah and this is always going to be, you know, kind of the question of how do you how do you balance maneuver objectives, killing objectives, and then around whatever the different eccentricities are of that particular rule set. Um, especially in a game that is moving very, very quickly towards how many characters can you put on the board without letting them all die immediately. Um, so I, I guess I'll just start down to, you know, I'll just start looking at this. And you tell me where I'm going to say something stupid, um, which is going to be fairly quick. <laughs> I won't be ready. Thank, thank you, Ben. <laughs> um, so we're looking at the Seek and Destroy secondaries. Headhunter did not change. Now, talk to me about Born for Greatness. What was the I idea this behind one. this one? I love it. I so, this one, so you, you pick a single model who's a character, and pretty much you're just trying to have this character do a bunch of stuff for your army. Uh, there's six different ways to score points. You can destroy units, you can deny psychic powers, you can hold an objective, uh, heroically intervene, and starting and ending a battle round in your opponent's deployment zone. So it's really good for stuff like Smash Captains, uh, 
potentially if you want an Imperial Knight character who's going to be running around killing a bunch of stuff. I think it's just a really cool secondary. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Oh, go ahead, Reese. I was saying I'm glad to hear that, and uh, that that was exactly it. Was the idea? The idea was that you know, a lot of 40k and Age of Sigmar revolve around these super duper badass, cool characters. They're a big part of the lore, and then when you're making your army, you usually put special attention into your custom smash captain or your favorite knight or your um, you know Archeon, whatever it is. So it's it's fun to have a mission that celebrates that your favorite model doing cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I do like that one of the things not listed here is manifest to psychic power. Um, clearly, you know that was pretty obviously taken out right away, so that people were just farming up four points off of. We we thought right? about it, but it's just too easy, you know. Yeah. Like, so it's like denying a psychic power, even while it. it it's still relatively common. It's not like there's no certainty that that specific character is going to be the one that does it usually. Um, and it gives a character that maybe is not the most punchy character, another way to get the point. So, yeah. And you can only score each bullet point once as well. So he's kind of got to be a Jack of all trades character. You know, he's going to be running around doing a bunch of stuff throughout the game. It does yeah, look like exactly. if you were bringing a demon prince, you would probably score a lot of these fairly quickly. Yeah, so I'm actually going to be taking it a lot on uh, Samael in his land speeder. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's going to be pretty good for him. Yeah, that was and the I mean, idea, right? Like, was to let you take your favorite dude or a gal in the game, and you know, have fun making them be the center of attention. But the risk is if they die before they get to complete all these, you know, various tasks, um, then you don't get to score any more points. Yeah, for sure. And in a game, you know, in a game with a lot of eliminators running around and probably more armies moving towards having sniper models, there is definitely a risk that as soon as you step outside, you just get bopped. So it's I, I like it. Um, it doesn't really do me a whole lot of good because Night Commander Pask isn't going to be heroically intervening a whole lot. Um, That's what you think. <laughs> shut up, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for a point, why not, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I get. I, <laughs> I'll try it. Uh, I'll let you know how that works out. Somehow <laughs> I think it's not going to end well. Um, but three attacks on a five up. I mean, Tau commanders have killed things before. Uh, Melee Tau. New meta. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Melee Tau. Um, next up, Marked for Death. Looks like this one changed a little bit. Was there a reason that this one stayed? While, uh, it ju- is it just to have an alternative for Big Game Hunter in case the, the your opponent doesn't have any monsters, vehicles, or Titan, uh, Titanics? Well, it's, uh, when we're, when we're adding or subtracting missions, our first question is, do people use it? Does it work? I guess that's two questions, but our first, you know, set of questions. Sure. And if the answer to both is yes, the next question is, is it too easy or is it too hard? And, uh, Mark for Death was fine, right? The only thing yeah. that people asked for was ditch power level because power level is stupid. Yeah, um, it, yeah it, it is, right? Like, it was it was the only reason I power level on your list. So yeah. I love that there was a even a 12-man drone unit was still only two power level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it couldn't score Mark for Death before, but now it can, which is great. Well, if it's 100 points plus. Um, yeah. But we yeah, actually yeah. are changing it to a 120. 
in the in the final revision of the missions, which will go live. I was hoping to get it up tonight, but I'm I'm not going to. Um, ha, uh, that's a big, good soundbite right there. Well, <laughs> yeah. I apologize for keeping you from your important duties and that you prioritized us. Thank you. Oh, but um, uh, it'll be up tomorrow. And uh, by popular feedback, the um, 100 points was felt to be too low, so we bumped it up just a bit to 120 to put it out of reach to some of these like gimme units. Yep, I agree with that. Gangbusters doesn't look like this particularly changed all that much. So it's non-troops now, actually, which is a pretty big change. And there's another change. My mistake. There's another change coming down the pipe, which you guys haven't seen yet, so fair play. But because of the change to Big Game Hunter, now we're changing um, Gangbusters so that it doesn't – units that have the vehicle or monster keyword don't count any longer. Yay, killer cans. Yeah, killer cans. (laughs) Uh, uh, Ridge Runners, Sentinels, because those are now covered by Big Game Hunter. Um, Uh So that we felt didn't need, it was, it was punishing them too much and it was no longer doing what it was set out to do. Um, So we changed it again. So now it's aimed really at basically like things that are going to be in the elite slot, typically like grotesques, Bullgrin, some of the units. Yeah, centurions, things that are super hard to kill, that are usually hard hitting, um, that often take a ton of resources to take them off the table. Yeah, and you're not punishing Tyranid warriors anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And then, of course, Big Game Hunter has changed God knows how many times, and now it's earn one point for every 10 cumulative wounds. Is there a reason for that specific wording? Yeah, because we wanted it to not be an instance like Gangbusters where you don't get the wounds until you kill the model. Right. Um, so Big Game Hunter is wounds that you deal regardless of whether you destroy the unit or not. Also, there's a lot of repair flying around these days. Right, exactly, yeah. So Because it, it, we got rid of Titan Slayer, so it, mm-hmm. it, it fills that role as well. And um, since you, you don't have that tool to fight knights anymore, this was going to had to bridge that gap a little bit. And so it's cumulative wounds, not uh, wounds from destroyed units. And Butcher's Bill, um, I mean, destroyed two plus. This also sounds like a thousand cuts. Yeah, Butcher's Bill didn't change at all. It's the same as it was. You kill two units in either player turn, you get a point. So you can get two points in a turn if you destroy two units in your player turn and your opponent's player turn. And so I'm, I'm guessing that it looks from this like death by a thousand was removed. It's that is the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm remembering by the old name. You got to remember Reese. I've been, I've been retired for a little while. <laughs> oh, um, good. Last one, the Reaper. Uh, this one's bounced up and down a couple of times, but it, uh, for every 20 wounds of infantry or, or drones or drones <laughs> models <laughs> destroyed, earn one point. I, I, I love you guys for, for, being so specific that no Tau players, you don't get away with not bringing fire warriors. Because well, <laughs> they, they were always included in the Reaper because everything yeah. was. And I always forget that Tau have like their own unique keywords that nobody else has. And so when we were playtesting it, everyone's like, oh yeah, you can't get it on drones anymore. I was like, wait, what? And I'm like, oh yeah, they're not infantry. They're drones. <laughs> like, yeah, so just, we had to, whatever. We had to throw that in there. Yeah, we had to throw it in there too because God, you really earn it when you're killing drones. Yeah. <laughs> 20 models with a four up invul save. 
easier than you, uh, harder than it looks. Um, it's a slog to get through that. I still don't know. Like, this is just proof of how long I've been gone. I remember even when they had a four up, I just shot them with wyverns and they died pretty easily. Apparently now that's not a thing. Yeah, well, they've also got the five up. Feel no pain. <clears throat> Lest I forget that. Oh, that's okay. Found the problem. Jesus. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, the, well, very common now for you to shoot your entire army at a Tau army and maybe kill a unit of drones. Like, yeah, it's, in a competitive meta, you assume you don't get to anything that matters until turn two, if you're lucky, turn three or four. Um, and that's the game with Tau is can you survive them shooting you until you peel off all the drones? Yeah, a single hot streak on the Tau player and one drone can eat six las cannons. Yeah, the, it's they're, because of the way the, the rule is worded. Yeah. They're so ridiculously resilient. They're the best... Um, you know, uh, bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. They're the best bodyguard unit in the game by a mile. Uh, Moving on to the maneuver secondaries. Uh, This one has not changed. Recon have a unit, at least partially in each table quarter at the end of your player turn. So it did change that you can score two points per turn, starting from turn two. Oh, so yeah, if you really go all out on these maneuver secondaries, you can start doubling up on some points. Oh, I like that. My scions like this a lot. Yeah, the course, one of the com- one of the most one, turn, one of the most common points of feedback was that the um, we didn't call them them this at the time, but the movement or maneuver secondaries uh, were too difficult to max out because a lot of times the games just didn't finish, um, or you just ran out of gas. Whereas the kill secondaries, you could get them all. Some of them you can get them all in one turn. Right. So. Yeah we decided to make it easier to max them. We went too far at first and that's why we dialed it back to starting on turn two. You can double. Um, so effectively what that means is for most of them, you can max by turn three instead of turn four, which helps because most games go to at least turn three or four. So you can even miss one for a turn and still get it. Yeah. So my question is, and this is, this came up, uh, I'm probably, I'm probably asking this because of hearing about it through the Eldar, through Eldar flyers. Um, is there any, like, was there any thought about uh, specifically not allowing flyers to count for this? Just yeah. So so I was sort of surprised that, so flyers can't score behind enemy lines anymore, Yeah, but I was a little surprised that they can still score recon. Well, we didn't want to we... completely flatten them. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that they should be able to score some maneuver points because if you have a flyer army, which is totally viable, and you have to take a, man- a maneuver secondary, you should have one that's viable to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. I, you know, I'm just, I'm of the opinion that I don't think flyers that can't hover should score. Going, taking it back to, you know, kind of when the Valkyrie and the Storm Raven were flying around the board, capping objectives every turn, especially the Storm Raven. Well, um, even ones that hover now, they, they can't hold objectives. Right, but they score for recon. That is what I'm saying. And I, I was, I, I've never been a fan of things that can't literally land taking objectives. Personal preference. Um, behind, as Ben said, we'll move on to behind enemy lines. If at least one of your units that does not have the flyer roll is entirely in the enemy DZ at the end of your turn, 
uh, earn one point. A unit is entirely within if every model in the unit is at least partially within the enemy DZ. Starting turn two and on, if you have three or more non-flyer units entirely in your op opponent's deployment zone, you earn two points. I love this. Um, it does, it, you know, it's it's definitely emphasizing playing a heavy deep strike army. You're, you're getting something if you do gamble and drop half your army in somebody's face. And, you know, Gene Stealer Colt is going to appreciate this a lot, I think. Yeah, and the change from scoring at the start of your turn to now at the end means it's actually possible. <laughs> right, you can't get blown off the board before you score. Yeah, the the, the feedback on behind enemy lines, even though I, I thought it was fairly balanced because now it's super easy if you build your army for it. It's super easy to max this by turn three. Yeah. Um, and before, people thought it was too hard, which fair enough, but I like I was taking it all the time. And um, I would just deep strike a character into my opponent's backfield and put them in the corner. And usually they couldn't even be shot and it, you'd max it out. Um, but the, the common feedback was I never take it because I feel like it's impossible to get. So we changed it to be at the beginning of your turn or at the end of your turn so that if you deep strike in, um, let's say you're playing Gene Steeler Colt, Scions, in my Tyranid list, I take D Death Leaper and two units of Rippers. I drop those three units that don't have a very big footprint. Boom, two points immediately. So then mm. even if my opponent shoots him, he has to go through two units of Rippers before he can even target Death Leaper, and then he can hide. So if you build your list for it, it's pretty easy to get this one. I, I We'll see how it pans out, but this is what everyone wanted, so this is what we're going to do. I think it's a little too easy, but... Yeah, and with a very minimal points investment, too, because, what, two rip, two Ripper squads and Death Leaper is, like, 100 points, right? It's, like, 120 points, yeah. Yeah. And, you, and like, some armies, like Scions, you could do it for a song. Just take three, two minimum squads in a character, and it is. It's, like, 100 points. And yeah. Because a lot of people still, it always amazes me that people don't think about this when they're writing their list. Like, the, we get people complaining all the time about, oh, the secondary makes me not want to take things. But we never, ever, like very rarely do we hear people saying, oh, this secondary makes it too easy to get it if you take these units. So it, that makes me think that there's people that um, they're not building their list. They're not looking at units in their uh, army that can win the mission. For another example, to illustrate the point, I always, always take Sentinels in my guard army because they are like world-class engineers. An armored Sentinel in cover is getting you four points on engineers, unless your opponent has some crazy artillery army or no-look army like Tau with a bunch of smart missiles. Even then, it's difficult. Um, you could just assume that that 40-point model is getting you four points. It's the best investment you can make in your list, especially now with the stratagem that they got that makes it take half damage. Um, yeah. So it just, it amazes me that we don't get any feedback to that nature. Like, oh, it's too easy to score this if you do this. I'm I've like, noticed pretty much the exact same thing of a lot of people, they build their list trying to deny secondaries instead of thinking about actually scoring secondaries, which yeah, I think I, scoring secondaries is all, only has to do with their opponent's list. I, I, I literally write whatever list I want, and then I add in units that I know will score points. Like with with the Reaper, where it used to be 
for every 20 or more unit, people are like, oh, I, I never take units of 20 anymore, blah, blah. And I'm like, why? Who cares? <laughs> like, it just, it just, it was so strange to me. I mean, point denial is obviously it's a valid strategy, but um, I think people think about it way too much and they focus on the negative instead of looking at like all the possibilities with the positive. Um, it's just very strange. It's a very interesting like study in the psychology of, of gamers and list building. Yeah, so the Dark Angels list that uh, I won a GT with two weeks ago, I had, I think, 13 models that gave up Big Game Hunter. And I said, I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. I'm going to give up Big Game Hunter every time, but not going to give up anything else. So who cares? <laughs> yeah, you just, like, you go all in on it, right? Like, for a night player, they're like, you, in the old days, like, you were going to get Titan Slayer. Like, it just assumed, guaranteed. Yeah. And then you don't stress out about it. Like, you're playing Orcs, yeah, you're going to get the Reaper. I just, who cares? I'm going to play around that. So Playing Centurions, you're going to give up Gangbusters, but it's not going to matter half the time. Yeah, exactly, right? Because what you're gaining from those units usually outweighs what you're giving up. Yeah. Or they're trading their whole army trying to, they end up trading their whole army trying to achieve that secondary. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, you know, maybe a little bit into the weeds there, but I always found that super interesting. No, I, if we want, actually, it would be cool to keep going on that. Um, just because I'm kind of getting into list building again after I'm, I know you read the same stuff I read Ben and Schwartz spent basically two hours telling me I'm wrong and that it didn't matter. <laughs> I love everything I read about the new scions. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be bringing at least 900 points of them in every game. And I'm looking at these maneuver objectives and I'm looking, you know, I've, of course, I, you know, I'm a gorilla. So seek and destroy is where my brain starts, but I've really never been a person that looks at denying points as a way for me to win. I go, well, if I max one out and he fucks up, I'm going to win by one point, injure a mile. I win. And I'm loving these as far as what I can do with scions. Like they're going to, scions are going to tear, you know, butcher's bill is easy. Uh, just with the abilities that we have marked for death, probably not a terrible choice. I've never played with engineers, so that's going to be interesting, but recon and behind enemy lines is a gimme. Oh yeah. Work for that. So, and that's why we made it. That's why we forced players to take one of each. Yes. Because um, now with how with how much easier it is to get the board control secondaries, if you allowed people to take three, certain armies would be like maxed on all of them by turn three yeah. for sure. Like Eldar, yeah. Scions. So we were we were like, okay, let's force people to split it up and uh, take at least one of both, and I think that it'll help balance it out. Because it, it the just having the maneuver objectives is going to the hope is, I guess, to dislodge some of the really heavy gun lines, right? Is at least make them consider moving more than twelve inches out of their out of their deployment zone. If that that was all. part of it, yeah, that was part of it too. Is uh, nobody likes to to play against the gun line usually. Like uh, melee armies usually don't care too much, but uh, if if it's a good melee army, but um, a, a common complaint is like it sucks to sit there and watch it like a tau army or whatever barely leave its deployment zone and just shoot me. So. By forcing you to take a maneuver secondary, you kind of have to. They can still take engineers and then bury an engineer behind their gun line in their back, you know, sitting on an objective. Um, so it's not entirely fixed, but it's at least something they have to think about now, whereas before they didn't even have to think about it. 
Well, pl- I mean, since engineers, spe- and we'll get to it, but it does specify non-characters, it is something that, like, eliminators or artillery can just gank immediately. Yeah, and that's the thing you have to think about, right? Like, mm-hmm. engineers is actually a really commonly taken secondary. It's a really popular secondary, but um, you have to be wise about it because if you're playing a Manny Chima artillery army, your engineers are going to be dead on the first turn. Um, yeah. So you got to be smart about it. But when it's viable, it's usually four points in the bank. If you choose poorly, you're only going to get one or two points. If he chose poorly. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> next up, ground control. Uh, earn one point for each objective held at the end of the last battle round played. If you hold all of the objectives on the table at game's end, basically, if you've boarded your opponent, uh, you score all four points. This is uh, a, it's an interesting uh, secondary because not a lot of people take it. But if you remember from the LVO last year in the championship game, Brandon famously won the, the LVO and the 40 or the ITC with ground control on the yeah. last turn by passing a morale check to hold enough objectives to beat Alex. Yeah. It was amazing. And what I found is the really good players think ground control is too good. Um, hmm. And then kind of like the lay person brought, like doesn't even – look twice at it. Um, yeah, really ground control example. feels like one that you have to build your entire list around knowing you're going to take it. Yeah, it's for an army that wants to go second, like Gene Sealer Colt. Um, Godspam like would be great for it. Exactly, Tyranids. And if you can build a list that likes to go second in the ITC format, you have a humongous advantage. Huge. Yep. Right? Like in that game, when uh, Brandon beat Alex... He chose to go second, which in 8th edition, all the data shows us when you win the roll to go first, you almost always take it, right? So it's, yeah. it's only a very good player who can, like, see the, the trajectory of the game. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weather the storm, and then I'm going to be able to beat you on the mission because I know how many objectives you're holding. I'm going to counter you. I know how many units you killed. I'm going to counter you. And then I'm going to use an objective like, or a, like ground control so that you might even think you're beating me the whole game, and then on the last turn, boop, 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 four points, I win. Yeah. I hate Going second is definitely huge for hold more. Like, you should never really be giving up hold more if you choose to go second, because that is if entirely... You, if you do, you're, made a big, you're making, you, you made a big mistake. If you are... <laughs> yeah, you're, you're making a mistake with your, with your maneuvers, with your target priority. Like, up and down the chain of decisions, you have clearly fucked up. I want to ask one question about this and it's, you know, it's kind of a question that's for the, that's for the Delta Bravos out there. Um, what, was there any question about this in terms of countering slow play? Because it says at the end of the last battle round. Yeah, that's a hundred percent played. Right. Ben, that's what I'm, I'm like. I'm asking if games go to light and this doesn't probably doesn't happen a whole lot. I'm sure you have access to the numbers. We don't, I worry about, you know, somehow a game only really going to like turn three and the guy has somebody hasn't had a chance to do significant enough damage because their opponents, you know, a douchebag. Was there any thought put into this or is that just kind of a, we can't do anything about it. We're just going to build the the best objective we can for the people. That's just what you need. Chest clocks. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to ask. We, I mean, we did that. We did think about it and that's why it says last turn played. Mm-hmm. So that if you only make it to turn three or four or whatever, 
you know, like you just, you know, of course, with your opponent, this is our last turn. We agree. Yes, it is. Okay, get wrecked. Four points. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next one up, King of the Hill. If at the end of their turn, the player who chooses this secondary scores uh, one point, if they have two units that are any combination of non-character, multi-model, or Titanic, wholly within nine inches of the center. Beginning in the second round, if the player who chose the secondary has four or more qualifying units, that player immediately scores two points. Let's see, beginning in the second battle round. What's the timing yep. on this exactly? End of the turn. My bad. I just went back to yep. the beginning. Yeah. Okay. At the end of their turn. Oh man, this is yeah. You're right. So I thought this was this a really cool idea uh, in the initial pack. It was just very, very hard to score, and it was actually impossible to score if you ended up going first because it was at the end of the battle round. Well, you could Which still I, score. I, I really like the changes. It was challenging to do if you went first, but it, was, it wasn't literally impossible, but it was challenging. You just had to remain. It was plus. <laughs> Your opponent would just shoot you off and say, sucks for you. It was also only six inches, right, for the uh, the earlier one. Uh, yes, yeah, it was. We it's much, much, much easier to get now. Um, this was the least popular mission in the game. Uh, oh really? Ground control. <laughs> I and like I said, like I took it a lot, and I saw some like occasionally I saw some orc players that took it because it was really easy for them to to do relatively. But um, you know, we're here to to give people what they want within reason. And so we, uh, we listened to what they said and we made it significantly easier to get. I think it's going to be a very popular mission now. Yeah, I it, agree. It, I like it because it, it gives people who, even if you're reserve heavy, you can just give up the, give up any thought of it the first turn and just flood the center of the board immediately with all of your guys. Um, and you know, as long if they don't, you know, blow everything in the middle that you have off, You've probably got you've got four points in two turns, and you've maxed your maneuver secondary. Uh, three turns, but yes, yeah. Oh. Or you could do it on turns two and three and get it. Right, right. That's that's what I meant because it's dropping it on turn two, and right. immediately starts, and it's so you don't have to risk only getting it for one point and start taking casualties for cheap. <clears throat> what would be considerably cheap? Yeah, um, it's and that that was the idea, right? If yeah, I, I think this one's going to be very be, uh, interesting. Smart depending on the terrain on the table. Because, like, objectives have their uh, stipulation that you can't put an objective inside an enclosed ruin. But uh, say there's a huge magic box in the middle of a table, well, now you can just fill it with dudes with King of the Hill, and they can't even be interacted with, and you're just going to max that out. So there's definitely play depending on the table. So that Well, could be it, it, it's got to be two units. So whatever magic box has got to have it's it's got to fit whatever two units you bring, and you're at that point you're kind of gambling on what you're sending to, to get in the box. Well, like I mean, it's not going to be able to put two full unit squads of boys in one. That's what you think. <laughs> Fair. I mean, it, it depends on the size of the box and where it's placed, and if your opponent has no way of of dealing with it. But yeah, it's uh, you totally could if you take the middle of the board with some tough units. Like often, what we see is. Well, what I would do is I would move in a unit of Bulgarian and a couple units of infantry, and I'd just stand there, like, come and get it. Um, yeah. And they would just sit there and score the points. So it's I think it's going to be a lot more popular of a mission now because it is, you know, dramatically easier. Oh, yeah. 
Next one up, we mentioned it earlier, engineers. Uh, this one's a little wordy for those who are listening, so please do forgive me. Select two non-character, non-fort units from your army to be your engineers. Starting from battle round two, if one or more of these units starts and ends your turn within three inches of an objective marker you control and it does not attack or manifest any psychic powers, you earn one point at the end of that turn. If you have two engineers performing this role on two objectives and one or more is outside of your deployment zone, earn two points. These units may not score if they join other units during the course of play or split into multiple units. Units chosen to be engineers may never benefit from a rule that keeps them from being the target the, the, being the target of attacks. They benefit they can benefit from terrain blocking line of sight to them. So I uh, you know makes perfect sense. Uh, you're basically picking two units that you hope are low enough priority that someone is going to be shooting it at your damage dealers instead of shooting at your engineers. Or, in my case, I would probably just stick him in a Chimera. Uh, and then just try well, to Well, they've got to be actually on the table, because they can't yeah. be in your Chimera doing it. Oh, no, I think be on the table. I, mm, that's fair. Okay. I always forget. I, I seem to forget that little rule eccentricity. That well, the thing is, you're not entirely wrong, because you could stick him in a Chimera for turn one. And then, well, no, because you have to begin and end, so that wouldn't work. You could stick them in your Chimera if you're going second and then get out at the uh, bottom of turn one, and that would preserve them from an Alpha Strike, so it's not a poor strategy. But um, Engineers is super popular. Basically, you have a unit that might suck at literally everything, like a Sentinel, <laughs> but all of a sudden he becomes amazing at just sitting on an objective. Yeah. I loved it for uh, company veterans with Storm Shields that – would just on the objective and protect characters. It's not like they're shooting anyone anyways. Yeah. And they're top off that they can sit there. So Another good one was uh, with my Tyranid army, I take engineers all the time. A big unit of Gaunts yeah. is a really good engineer, especially if you have a Tervagon, which I, I do take. I know a lot of people poo-poo them, but when you have a regenerating, <laughs> when you have a regenerating engineer, good, good luck. Like your opponent yeah. really has to focus on killing them. So, Reese, you, you specified that you also do this with um, Armored Sentinels. As a guy who doesn't own any Sentinels, what would you recommend? Uh, off the top of my head, I was thinking, like, Rattlings might not be a bad idea. Yeah, Rattlings aren't bad. Um, any unit that has really good defense, like a, a squad of Plague Bearers, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I found Armored Sentinels to be just, like, ideal for it because... They have good toughness. They have six wounds in cover. They have a two-up save. Um, yeah. And if you can you hide them behind them. Up shooting. Yeah. And now with the new stratagem where they can take half damage, like, good luck. You know, they're just really good at it. Um, I usually take an armor Sentinel and a Scout Sentinel or a, an armor Sentinel and an Infantry Squad uh, because by the time they kill the, the armor Sentinel, it's so late in the game, it's really difficult to stop. Yeah. It's way more effort than they're worth to actually try yes. and kill them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, next up, sappers. Uh, this is, I'm assuming, basically the reverse. Oh well, not yeah. quite. Select it's pretty close. It's reverse engineers, basically, uh, with a yeah, little twist. They render. Uh, you select two non-character, non-fort, non-flyer units. I'm glad that that got caught. Um, so long as the sapper unit ends movement within three inches of an objective outside the controlling player's deployment zone. The sapper unit may render the objective unscorable if it did not make any attacks or manifest any psychic powers. I really miss Rough Riders reading sappers right now. (laughs) 
They would be good. And still bring those. What's up? That you cut out. Just play Deathcore. They've still got Rough Riders. Uh, You know, it's amazing you say that. Uh, No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Once rendered unscorable, an objective remains in this state until the sapper moves more than three away from it, is destroyed, makes any attacks, or manifests any psychic powers. For each objective rendered unscorable, earn one point at the end of your turn, starting turn two and on. You can earn up to a maximum of two points per turn for sapping two or more objectives. Um, And then it's the same restrictions as the engineers. So, I'm just curious, why was this included specifically? The the cloud of just you know cloud of flies. Just so I think the uh, the main reason was so like artillery pieces like a uh, a quad launcher for space marines. It's got uh, two little crew that they are not characters, but they have a rule that says they can only be targeted if they're the closest, and they don't even have to do anything to fire the gun. So like they would have been perfect for engineers or sappers. They're untargetable. You don't care that they give up their shooting. It's just two tiny guys. So I think it's great that they cannot benefit from that if you want to have them be your engineers or sappers. Yeah, it gets it gets broken. And, and we're also changing sappers to be like engineers where a unit that split, splits up in some way can't do that and remain your sappers. Okay, yeah, that was my other question with like, oh, I'll make two 10-man incursor squads and now I have four sappers. Or even better, this got pointed out to me uh, by Richard Siegler, actually, I missed it, was uh, like a ghost keel and then like four individual drones that all split off. So you have like five units. I was like, yeah, that was not intended. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think everyone should really appreciate the play test that goes into things like this because you guys do go to – this is one of the complaints that we've always had about, you know – uh, GW or in my case now FFG, they don't go to the really top tier competitive guys to try to break the rules that they're trying to add. And it makes such a huge difference when you have a guy who, you know, clearly is looking at everything with how can I most effectively take advantage of this and go, Oh, by the way, you missed this. Yeah. And it's, we, we rely on that because I, you know, I've been playing the game forever and I'm, I'm a pretty good player of the game, but um, when you're sitting down and writing one of these things, especially when you, an idea strikes you and you're like, oh, this is cool. And then you write the idea. There's no way you're going to consider every inter- rules interaction, right? It's from 20 something codexes within supplements and FAQs. And, you know, there's thousands and thousands of data sheets in the game. Yeah, each your fourth world stuff that no one's ever seen. And Right. So that's why we do this open beta where it's like, tell us what we missed. Mm-hmm. so that we can have a better play experience, right? That's why, you know, obviously that's why video game developers do betas too. It's, you know, we may be really smart, but we're not that smart. You know, like if we all work <laughs> as a team, we're going to catch way more stuff than than any one individual, regardless of how brilliant they may or may not be, is going to catch on their own. Where's the FLG sentient AI to write the new ITC missions? Uh, dude, if that was a thing, I would be so happy. <laughs> You got it, bro. Tell me when it's done. I'm going to go drink a beer. Just can't contract this one out to Amazon, huh? (laughs) I don't think Jeff Bezos plays 40K, although it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I'm sorry. He's an Eldar player through and through. If if he played, he's an Eldar player. Um, All right. Last one, the Postman. I love the name. Select a single model from your army that does not have the vehicle, monster, or Titanic keyword to be the Postman. The model can be in a unit. This model may choose to gather intel on an objective 
uh, within three that you control at the end of your turn. You may only gather intel from one of each objective once per game. One, each one point per objective you gather intel from at the end of the game you have gathered from every int intel from every objective on the table. You auto score all four points. So I'm assuming that, that means that down here in there are objectives that do not have or are missions that do not have four objectives. And that's yeah. why this little sentence is thrown in at the end. Beautiful. I love this. I would try it just for the challenge. Yeah, it's fun. Again, it's it's putting one of your characters. You're usually going to choose a character, one that may not even be very punchy, like a, a, a farseer on a jet bike or, you know, something of that nature. And you get to like, they get to be the star of the show, much like Born for Greatness. And they run around jumping on objectives and, when it works, it's cool. They're a hero. They got you points. When they die early, it's a little disappointing because <laughs> uh, you can't score any more points, but that's the risk. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we call it the postman, not, not uh, I don't know, the intel gatherer or whatever, just because of the, the amazing cinematic masterpiece. Absolutely. Uh, I knew where it was going as soon as I read the name. Absolutely. Starring uh, Kevin Costner, right? <laughs> I, only, I only say this because – it would not be relevant in any other context. I have a Death Rider that is modeled with a completely flat flag that I could probably paint up into the American flag and paint Kevin Costner in like the the that Civil War blue that he wears from the end of that movie. I might do go. that just to try <laughs> to get this objective. <laughs> oh Amazing. my god. Yeah, I just want to see someone use a a shadow stepping Raven Guard librarian teleporting all over the place delivering letters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but, that, that was uh, that was the intent of it was for it to be <laughs> fun. Um, and then we're gonna alter that so that knight or Titanic um, uh, characters can do it. So that knights, because knights really struggle to do the maneuver secondaries. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to modify it so that they they also can do it so that they have a choice that, that you know that's actually achievable. Sweet, oh, cool. <clears throat> um, all right, well, that's actually about as perfect amount of time as I wanted to spend on that particular topic. Uh, and uh, old school is still in there as well. And, and it's, still, old, it's still old, a old super popular, category. still a super popular and not very good choice. <laughs> <laughs> old school was the most commonly chosen secondary and the lowest scoring secondary wow yeah it's so it's the like, comfort secondary that everybody like, remembers it and they're yeah, like oh that yeah. one's i remember that we'll just take it and that, and that's that's I, I don't know for sure but my best guess is that's exactly why <laughs> it, somebody who's like casual and doesn't really give a, a crap about optimizing they're like, oh, yeah. this, is, this is a lot. I know what that does. I'm picking that every time. <laughs> I actually would have loved if uh, it was one seek and destroy, one maneuver, and then you were required to take old school. People have brought that, that up. That would have been interesting. People have brought that up, and I know TOs that do that locally, but the pro there's a lot of problems with it. And the, the most predominant one is some warlords are incredibly easy to get. Some are incredibly dis difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, getting first strike on some armies is like, it's almost impossible. Like if you have a melee army and somebody has a knight army and you go first, you are in wow, nine wow. Times out of 10, <laughs> getting no points, right? So first strike is really difficult to get. Um, line breaker is, is not a good choice for some armies. So it's like- Iron hands. 
Yeah, it's just like it, it's like all bad choices, right? So no more calling people. Everyone has to take their worst secondaries. <laughs> that would be a, a test of skill for sure. But then it would you know, obviously it would change list design. But that that's why old school is such a low scoring secondary because it, it they're all largely difficult to do depending on the circumstances. But yeah. People pick it because they know it, even though it's historically like the worst mission to pick. And there's so much variety between all the different ways to score points. You need character targeting, you need killing throughout the entire game, and you need board control. Like, it's crazy. I don't know if there's any lists that can do all of those really well. Yeah, and it's, you know, a skilled player will will plan for it, but it's, um, you're hearing me say it, like, I, I would, I never take old school ever. So I don't recommend it, but if you're familiar with it, you're comfortable with it, or you think you can, or you don't think you have a better option, go ahead. Yep. Definitely uh, a not-so-subtle indication from everyone to really examine your opponent's list before you pick secondaries uh, to avoid getting stuck with old school and probably not accomplishing it. Um, And one of the other subtle changes to your point that we made is that you pick your secondaries after you know who's going first and second now, which is a big deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, the, uh, you know, we also, we mentioned this before the show, and we got to ask, um, Iron Hands are pretty much running roughshod over the over 40K right now. Not, I'm not saying they're winning every event, but they're winning most of them, and they're also taking a lot of the top spots. You have told us that nothing is coming down the pipe as far as the ITC goes to do anything about this. I assume that the mission that these missions were modified to reflect, you know, the strengths of that particular codex. What else is being done, or are we just uh, are we all kind of just in a mode of this is what's good right now, and we have to deal with it and see what changes come as they introduce new models and new units. Yeah, so in the past, the ITC would kind of pick up the slack in the battle days when GW was not releasing any FAQs at all, and the game was borderline literally unplayable. Like, if you opened the books and tried to play the game, you would not get very far because of all of the rules discrepancies and such. Um, And that was why we did that. We didn't do it because we wanted to. We were accused of making, you know, Reese Hammer, Frontline Gaming Hammer, some stupid thing. Um, I can tell you from experience that being in the trenches, trying to convince thousands of people to nerf something or whatever is awful. And (laughs) I I don't ever want to do it again, Um, (laughs) but we had to, right? Like we had to, otherwise the game would have been a train wreck. And um, we did what we had to do and we ate all the crap that came along with it. But in this new age, right, where GW is very responsive and they release FAQs, um, a part of that deal was no more independent FAQs, right? Like if we're going to work together, um, we all need to use the same FAQ, which makes 100 totally makes sense, right? Yeah. And, and I agree. And it's easier. And everybody can point at the same thing. And I don't get hate mail anymore. It's just a win all around. That's good. <laughs> so we like as much as possible, play the game by the book. Obviously we play different missions and we have some terrain modification rules um, that are, you know, they're not ITC rules really. They're rules that we suggest. Um, So that's really as far as we go. So if anybody's expecting us to like 
ban iron hands or nerf iron hands. It's, it's not going to happen. And so long as the relationship that we have with Games Workshop now persists, it, will, it won't happen. But instead, what we get is they're listening to not only, you know, playtesters, not only to us, um, you know, in the ITC, they're listening to everybody who sends in the emails, who makes comments on the Facebook page, as long as you're not an, an asshat about it. Yeah. yeah, talk to people the way you would want to be spoken to. It's so simple, but it's just something people online tend not to do. Um, they, they are responding to you and they're doing it as fast as they think is prudent to do. So if you're really stressed out or, or, or bummed out or pissed off about Space Marines, which it's not, uh, it's not an overreaction, um, hang in there, be patient, and hopefully sooner than later, um, GW will get to it. They are aware of it. Because, I mean, I assume that this is probably something, and again, you know, whatever NDA you're under, you're, of course, not going to break it for us. But I assume this is probably not just an issue in the ITC. Like, this is probably being reflected in what they're hearing worldwide, right? Oh, yeah. Dude, the Marine hate is super real. Um, it's It was the big mistake of 8th edition, really. Uh, and, and what has been the biggest edition of the game by a, a mile. Whether people personally, like, like, we all have our favorite editions, right? Like, mid-5th was my favorite. Um some people really like seventh or sixth or fourth or I whatever. With, I haven't been good since six. So that was my favorite edition. Yeah. <laughs> we all have our different favorite editions, right? And that's subjective, but objectively eighth edition has been a monster, monster success. And yeah. by and large, I've loved it. Right. Oh, yeah. um, I have my complaints about it. Like everybody does, but so the, that part of it, you can't debate, right? The numbers just don't lie. Um, mm-hmm. The, 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 the thing that's really kind of derailed it, I don't even want to say that because that's too dramatic. The thing that's thrown a monkey wrench into what has been a smashing success has been Space Marines, right? Uh, the Castellan list was statistically as good or better, um, but it wasn't as prevalent, right? Like everybody has a Marine army. And so they all come out of the woodwork. And when you go to an RTT and you're a semi-competitive, like quasi-casual player, and you play three two out of three of your games at an RTT or against Marines and you get shit stomped. It's not Maybe fun. You score, you score seven points in three games and you just go, you know, I think I'm going to step back for a little while. And that's exactly what they don't want to happen. Exactly. Yeah, And I mean, right after the iron hand supplement came out, people were going to their first ever tournament and they were winning a major with iron hands. Yeah. Like, it's unheard of. And you know, um, there's only so much of that people can take before they're like, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to play AOS. I'm going to play, you know, there's a new war machine game coming out. I'm going to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's understandable, right? So you'd be crazy if you thought GW wasn't aware of all this stuff. No, I'm, I think people are just, you know, a lot of it, despite the losses that we've, that the community has suffered with people just dropping out as certain rule changes they don't like, or a unit that kept them interested is no longer there most of us are probably all very experienced by now. And we kind of do remember the bad old days when we had to do it ourselves. But the nice thing about doing it ourselves is that we could respond a lot faster. And they're just wor- I think people are just worried that it's no correction is coming. Um, yeah. That's, that's the, that's the trade-off, right? Like with the yeah. ITT, we, we were agile as is a common business phrase now is that basically as soon as we were aware of it, we would address it. And yep. um, we usually make quarterly, 
we would do quarterly changes, but like if something was really egregious, we would just address it right away. Um, but GW has other concerns, right? Like they have very valid business. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's, there's so many people that play the game and a lot of them don't need the rules to change constantly. Mm-hmm. That's actually a negative, right? Uh, the yeah. match play gamer, it's easy for them to forget that for every one of them, there's, in my best guess, there's four or five non match play gamers or people that may play match play rules, but they're not a, like what I would call a quote unquote match play gamer. They're a casual gamer. Mm-hmm. They, they vastly outnumber us. So you have to consider them, right? Like if I really, if they buy a book and then immediately it needs a bunch of FAQs and all this other stuff that makes that product seem less valuable. Right. Um, and this is just me speculating, right? I'm not trying to like reveal any big secret, no, but no. that that's one of the reasons why um, FAQs don't come out left, right and center. Because if you remember in the beginning of eighth edition, they did and yes. people were complaining about it a lot right? People were yeah, like, when you buy a $40 book and it's invalidated two weeks later, I mean, sucks for you. Yeah. And people were like, I can't keep up. I don't know what's going on. And those are very valid concerns, right? So GW decided to go with a, a set schedule mm-hmm. of updates. And uh, I believe there should be one coming up relatively soon, right? A spring FAQ. Yep. Yeah, I think after Adepticon. Yeah, in that time range, right? So it's not far off. And if Space Marines were going to get addressed, it would be logical to assume that that would be a good time for that to happen. Of course, we'll have to wait and see. But that would be, if one were to you know sit and think about it, that would not be a crazy idea. Yeah, it would be the most logical time when everything, when the, the entire community's focus is on gaming i mean adepticon is one of the largest events on the calendar so we'll go ahead and uh leave it there reese thank you very much for joining us fantastic as always sir thank you very much oh yeah yeah thanks for having me guys i appreciate it hope you have a great evening it is always a pleasure to have you on you uh, expand our knowledge of 40k every time you do ben go ahead sign off have a good night winning is not a sometime thing it's an all the time you don't win once in a while, and you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit.